0: Pastor Dave is a pastor at Living Hope Neighborhood Church, and we've been doing eye screenings with them in the the past three years, and so we've been in the trenches with this man and this family and their leadership. And they are amazing men of God. They are so saturated with the gospel, and they are oozing with God's spirit. So here is Pastor Dave. He is a unique blend of someone who has the hands of Mary and the heart of no, no, no. I'm sorry. The, the the hands of Martha and the heart of Mary. I don't know if anyone has ever introduced you like that before, but there you go. Come on up here, Pastor Dave. Hands of Martha, heart of Mary. Um, saying, uh, grateful to be here. We are my wife and I, and I think I can speak for Living Hope Neighborhood Church. We're just big fans of CLC and uh, we have loved partnering with you guys. It's been great to be in a cohort with Pastor Andrew and uh, we just feel like this is a special God partnership that he's brought about uh, for such a time as this. So thankful to be here. Uh, is this kind of like a cow section over here? It's pretty awesome to see, like 50 deep today. I do have a confession though. Um, So my wife and I were going to go to dinner in Berkeley last night, and we weren't aware that the Cal-Texas game was... So we ended up doing just like a huge loop through campus, didn't stop, didn't eat, saw all the people with their gear on, Texas and Cal, went and got food in Richmond, went home, put the game on. It was like a super exciting first half, right? Like a shootout. And then at halftime, I think halftime was about 9 p.m., and I said, uh... I'm going to go to bed, I'm going to read through my sermon notes and go to bed early. So I'm sorry, I understand Cal won, and it was a pretty exciting game. So, but um, I don't know, I'm getting old and I just needed my rest for today. But open up with me to Luke chapter 10 uh, this morning. Uh, We're going to be looking at verses 38 through 42. Luke 10, 38 through 42. And I've entitled the message, uh, Slow Down, Reset, and Listen. So let me uh, just go to the Lord in prayer before we jump into his word together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity just to gather as a family, to worship you, to lift up Jesus together. We thank you for this opportunity as a family to open up your word, to really truly sit at your feet this morning. We believe that your word is living and active. And so, Lord, this morning as we open up your word, we pray and ask that you would give us eyes to see, and that you would give us ears to hear, and that you would give us hearts to respond to your word. Lord, we want to come up under your word today. We uh, just want to take a posture of humility and teachability, and we invite you to do work in our lives. We ask that your Holy Spirit would do heart work on us today. So, Lord, be glorified in this time. I pray, Father, that you would minimize me and that you would maximize Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, at the end of June and the beginning of July, uh, I was in Rwanda. Uh, I was there for about 10 days. And uh, by God's grace, I've been there now for uh, three times. Uh, I've had the opportunity to travel to Africa, I think now seven times. And I, I love going to Africa. And the nation of Rwanda uh, just has a special place uh, in my heart. And I typically, I go with an organization called Halamai, which is a small missions organization. And uh, we travel and we uh, participate in a pastor's conference. Uh, a gathering primarily of about 50 pastors or so uh, that are part of an organization or a fellowship called the Pastors Family Fellowship. And uh, we spend about five days together. That's a, that's kind of a group shot. That was our final day of meetings together. But for five days, we, we pray together, uh, we worship together, uh, we teach and, and learn from one another. We just have rich conversations. It's just five days of just rich fellowship together. Uh, And it's literally like from the time we get up in the morning, we leave out, and then we don't get home until uh, after dinner. And uh, I I just love those times. And I always, you know, we go to teach and to equip and to encourage. And I always find that we, we come back believing that we've been taught and equipped and encouraged much more than our Rwandan family. And uh, there's different things that I always take away, but there's been, in many ways, one consistent theme that in all of my travels to Africa, whenever I've had the opportunity to rub shoulders with believers there and to be in relationship, uh, one thing that sticks out to me is their devotion to prayer and fasting. And I saw it again uh, this year in Rwanda, and it's, it's almost like the way that they talk about it, it's... It's kind of just the normal Christian life there is one of praying and fasting. It's just, it's kind of to them, it's just part of the DNA of what it means to be a Christ follower there is, it's just kind of this lifestyle of prayer and fasting. And I I just listen to them as they talk. And so some of the time they talk about how they've been seeking God to do the miraculous. And there's been times where God has done miraculous transformations in people's lives, where he's Maybe healed uh, people or different things, but also I, I've just sensed and heard as they speak. It's not only just crying out to God for the supernatural, but it's it's trusting God for just the basic necessities of life. It's they they trust God for their daily bread, and they they ask God to provide for their children's school fees, and He does. And they ask God to provide for their basic medical needs, and he does. And what's challenging and convicting is so many of the things that they're trusting God for and believing God for are things that, if we're honest, in the West and in the American church, oftentimes we take for granted. And so as I returned this year, I I, I had some time to journal on the plane. And as I journaled on the plane, one of the top things on my list again was, One of my takeaways and things that I want to mark my life was prayer and fasting. And so when I returned, I got back, I think, July 6th this year. That first week in church, I I gave an update. Uh, I wrote a blog. I sent an email update to supporters. And one of the things I kept talking about was uh, this priority of prayer and fasting. And I shared with uh, our church that I want it to be a part of my life. And I, and I want my church to be a praying and fasting church. And I want our family to, to pray and fast together. And that was in July. And then it's like July was gone like so fast. And then August came. And then, you know, we went on a trip to Montana with some students and had a great time there. And then when we came back from there, school started. And then it's like the fall was here, and so then there was kind of the rhythms of fall with school, and discipleship groups kick off again, and children's ministry goes back into full swing, and student ministry, and, and there's all this great activity in the fall. And I, I love that activity. I love the fall. I love college football, even though I go to bed early. But I, I love all the activity, the busyness, the pace that the fall brings, but I quickly realized that so quickly from early July in Rwanda, it was like the pendulum had swung and I just got into busy ministry family activity mode. On on top of just some of the ministry stuff, we are working on uh, converting our garage into a bedroom for our son Pablo so that we can have the baby nursery across the hall from our room. And so I've been doing some gut rehab. I'm, I'm not a skilled laborer by any means. I just get out there and swing stuff around. But there's been that, and I just, I I feel like in my mind of late, it's like all this stuff, stuff that I need to do, stuff that I could do, stuff that I should do. But in the midst of that of late, and I don't know about you, you ever feel like no matter what you read scripturally or outside of scripture or experientially, it's like the Lord keeps pressing something on you, and and for me, it's been just this idea of you need to slow down, and i I, I don't just want you to be busy with religious activity, I, I want a relationship with you. I, I, I want you to get to know me. I want you to seek after me. And so this morning I, I chose a passage that maybe is familiar to some of us. Uh, but it's been one that I feel like every few years the Lord kind of puts it in my lap again and says, I want you to chew on this. And I thought it would be kind of the perfect passage for this morning as you guys are getting ready to go into this 40-day season of prayer and fasting. This passage really talks about kind of priority and posture, to, to slow ourselves down, And to, as one author put it, this just resonated deeply with me, to to reset our hearts in the presence of Jesus. To slow down in the presence of Jesus and say, I need you to reset, to reboot my heart. And then to slow down and listen to him. So read with me uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Now, verse 38 opens up and it says that as they were on their way, this is Jesus uh, traveling with his disciples. It says that they entered a village. And we know from other places in the Gospels that they were entering the village of Bethany where Mary and Martha lived. And it says in verse 38 that Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. And then before we go any further, sometimes it helps me to just kind of alliterate a passage. And so I see three S's uh, this morning. The sitting, serving, and seeking. Sitting, serving, And seeking. And so, verse 39, it says that Martha had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now, the first thing I think it's important to note is just Mary's posture. It says that she sat at the Lord's feet. And one commentator that I read, I like this, he said this was the proper place for a disciple was at the feet of Jesus. And so she's sitting at his feet as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, as a learner, as a pupil of his. And throughout the Gospels, there's kind of three instances where we're introduced to this Mary. And it's interesting that each of those occurrences, she's at the feet of Jesus. In John chapter 11, verse 32, you remember this, she falls at his feet and lets Jesus know that her brother has just died. And then in John chapter 12, verse 3, she, she falls at his feet and just pours out herself in worship. So it's interesting just to note that Mary, just her posture throughout the Gospels and the few accounts that we have, she's found at the feet of Jesus. But notice also not just her posture, but her purpose. It says that she was sitting at his feet, listening to his teaching. She was just listening. She wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. Jesus was in the house, and she was going to be very intentional just to sit and be in his presence and to listen to what he had to say. And we'll we'll come back a little bit to this, but you have Mary sitting, and then a little bit of a contrast, you have Martha serving. Look at verse 40 and 41 again. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me here to serve alone? Tell her to help me. And Jesus responds and says, You're anxious. And troubled about many things. Now, first, I want us just to be reminded that this, this isn't an indictment against service. Even in Jesus' response to Martha, it's not an indictment against serving. Uh, even this chapter of Luke 10, it's, it's a great chapter of Scripture. In Luke chapter 10, the first 24 verses is Jesus sending out the 72 on mission. And he sends them out to the surrounding cities to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom in the surrounding cities. So 1 through 24 is just being sent out on mission. And then 25 through 37 is the parable of the Good Samaritan. And if you know, it, it, it ends with, well, who was the neighbor in this parable? And the response, well, the one who showed mercy. And then he says, go and do Likewise. And so you have mission and going out proclaiming the gospel, and then you have mercy. And so even in the context, it's clear that it's not an indictment against service. And even if you think through, well, what was was Martha so busy doing anyways? Well, most likely, Martha was preparing a meal. She was getting things in order to welcome the guests. In fact, the NIV translation says that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And so hospitality was a big deal in that culture. And so it wasn't a bad thing. She was trying to be hospitable. She was trying to properly welcome the guest of honor, and it's probable that he had many guests with him. He had just been with a crew of 72 and so it's possible that the house was full of folks. And so she was devoted just to be hospitable, to make them feel welcome. And so it's not an indictment against service or against hospitality. But rather the exhortation here, the challenge to Martha is away from distracted service, anxious service, to be troubled, to be divided, to be hurried. That word distracted, it means to be drawn away from. It says that Martha was distracted with much service. And it says that she was anxious, that's to be weighed down with cares, to be troubled, to be disquieted. So she was serving, but she was scattered. She was all over the place. It reminded me of something I've been uh, chewing on a little bit. I've been asking myself the question of late, is Twitter really good for my heart and for my mind? Now, not because of like the content, not because I'm looking at crazy stuff on Twitter, and for those of you who maybe are unfamiliar with Twitter, Twitter gives you 140 characters of just, could be news, could be sports, could be church stuff, but Let me just give you a sample of what shows up on my Twitter feed on any given day. And so I just, as I was preparing, I said, let me just look at the top seven things that come into my feed. And so here's seven things on this just any given day. Here's what there was. There was a gun buyback in Marin County that day that they were promoting on the news. Uh, The second, ESPN had a highlight video of ridiculous TD celebrations. Then the third thing was an East Bay Times article that Colorado had said something about Coach Jim Harbaugh. Then there was a John Piper quote, and he just quoted Scripture, 2 Corinthians 1.9. Then there was a link to an article about how to vote in this year's election as a Christian. Uh, then there was a video about God's heart for all nations. And then finally, there was an article about legislation on how to sue your college for back tuition. Now, just think about that, that assortment of different thoughts that sometimes when I'm just scrolling through Twitter, my mind feels feels like a ping-pong ball or like one of those old pinball games where the ball is just all over the place. And I feel like that's what happens sometime on Twitter that I don't know what to think about when I get off Twitter. But as I was thinking about that some more this week, I think oftentimes our lives feel like Twitter, that our lives are just like this ongoing Twitter feed. And so we have multiple schedules that we're trying to juggle. We have various needs. We have complex circumstances. We have family stuff, and we have church stuff, and we have work stuff, and we have school stuff. And then underneath each of those, we could put bullet points underneath like subsets of stuff that we need to think about and that we need to do or that we need to pursue. And it just feels like this endless thing. It's almost like we're uh, Pastor Aaron sometimes talks about a hamster wheel that we can't get out of. Or maybe it's like a treadmill at the gym where we can't find the power switch. We're just running, 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 and we can't seem to slow down and we can be just like Martha, at least I can, those same adjectives can easily apply to me. Distracted, anxious, and troubled. But all within the midst of good stuff, right? All within the midst of kind of necessary stuff, well-intended stuff, trying to serve things, trying to keep things moving in our family or at church or in school. But here's the danger in that, is that we can just get so busy, even in well-intended service, that we just completely lose sight of Christ. We just, we get so busy, we just flow into self-sufficient mode in our activity, and we lose sight of Christ. My pastor in Chicago used to say, we can also, we can get so busy doing the Lord's work that we completely lose sight of the Lord of the work. And oftentimes when we get busy and and we get distracted and we lose sight of Christ, oftentimes in the midst of that busyness, we retreat into self. Self becomes our focus. Self becomes kind of our refuge. And notice what happens with Martha. Self becomes her focus, and now she becomes irritated with others irritated with Mary, irritated with Jesus. She says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone? Tell her to help me. I don't know about you guys, but I've been guilty of this, right? Why am I the only one working in here? Why isn't there anyone else helping Why isn't so-and-so chipping in? Why am I carrying the weight on this, right? And who's the focus in all of that? Me. I read this this week that whenever we criticize others and pity ourselves because we feel overworked, we had better take time to examine our lives. Perhaps in all of our busyness, We have been ignoring the Lord. Another author said that Martha was serving out of anxiety, not grace. I like that. It's easy for us just to serve and to live busy lives that are rooted in anxiousness rather than rooted in grace and dependence upon the Lord. John 15.5 has just in many ways kind of become a life verse for me just because I have to keep circling the wagons around John 15.5. I have to keep reminding me. John 15.5, remember it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. That's Jesus talking. He says, I am the vine. I am your source of life. I am all of the sustenance that you need and you are the branches. You are completely dependent upon me for life. And he says, if you abide in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. But what's that last part? But apart from me, you can do nothing. And I oftentimes have to pose the question to myself, and it's good to think on it this morning. Do we really believe that last part? That apart from abiding and resting and trusting in Christ and depending upon him, that a lot of our activity, even good activity, is just kind of anxious, fruitless toil. You see, Martha was diligent in her service, but she wasn't dependent. And then verse 40, 41 Jesus says, You're troubled about many things, Martha, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So again, it's not that service is bad or ministry activity is bad. It's when it's disconnected from the vine that it's harmful. This is, this is a call back to sitting at the feet of Jesus. This is a call back to communing with him, to rest in his presence, to sit at his feet and listen. And allow that to be the thing that then motivates us and compels us out in service to others. Jesus actually modeled this for us. If you think about different times in the Gospels, flip over with me to Mark chapter 1. Or if you have a phone Bible, scroll over there. Mark chapter 1, verse 21 through 37. And I'm not going to read through all of it, but I I just want to highlight a few things and then focus our attention on verse 35. This, This was kind of a snapshot, kind of a day in the life of Jesus. It says that he taught in the synagogue and they were astonished at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority. Then right after that, he healed a man of an unclean spirit. And then after that, he went to Peter's house. And he healed Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. Then verse 32 and 33, it says, That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And it says, And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Verse 34, And he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So we have this this full day of Jesus, and it takes him well into the evening after sundown. He is just busy serving, teaching, healing, investing into the lives of people. And then we get to verse 35, and it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Now I'm not trying to push on any of us that all of us need to become morning people and we need a 4.30 a.m. quiet time while it's still dark outside. But what I do want us to see is that spending time alone with his father was a priority to Jesus. He knew that in the midst of all the demands of ministry and all that he needed to do, that he needed to pull away from the crowds and pull away from the noise and spend time alone with his Father. If you flip over to Luke chapter 5, we'll see kind of a similar thing. Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. This time, Jesus touched and healed a leper. And then in verse 15 it says, but now even more the report about him went abroad. And great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. And then in verse 16, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. You see the similar thing happening. The crowds have gathered, the demands are great. People are wanting a piece of Jesus and he is meeting needs and he is serving people. But in the midst of his busy schedule, here he is. But he would withdraw to desolate places and get alone and pray and commune with his father. This is the model that we see in Jesus, this dependent lifestyle, this priority of prayer. Yes, he was busy in serving, but he was working from a place of rest. He was first getting alone and sitting, and then he was going out to serve. But I want us to just think about this this morning. Are we slowing down to listen to the Lord? Is there margin in our life, or is there just too much noise to listen? I know, uh, just to to confess for myself, I'm really bad at multitasking and listening when someone is talking. Uh, Case in point, yesterday, Josie and I were at uh, a home show in Richmond, And we were sitting at a small table and she had taken a phone call. So I was looking at Instagram and I was looking at an Instagram video and she's sitting right across from me and she started talking to me and I heard not no disrespect. I, I heard like the noise of her voice, but I didn't comprehend any of the words that she spoke and she literally had to like shake me. Like, I think she physically touched me to let me know that she was talking to me. And this, this happens quite often. Like, if I'm typing an email or, I don't know, if I'm doing something, people can talk to me. It doesn't matter who it is. They can be talking. And I, I know that someone's talking, but I'm not really listening. And oftentimes, I just have to stop and say, I didn't hear anything of you, what you just said. And it's just this idea of, in order to really authentically listen, sometimes we just need to just really focus and just kind of remove some of the distractions because some of us just aren't very good at multitasking, especially maybe when it comes to hearing from the Lord. And so maybe another way to just kind of frame the question, in what ways do we need to kind of declutter our life so that we can hear from the Lord. I think it's an important question, especially as you enter into a, a season of prayer and fasting. Because you can, you can be fasting, but if your life is full of noise and full of clutter, it's, you're just hungry all the time. But with the same old noises. So for me, one of the things, um, you know, we depend on our phone for a lot of stuff now. So my phone is my alarm clock, right? Uh, Probably for many of you it is too. But here's the thing that happens in the morning. I get up to get my phone to turn off the alarm, and then my first instinct is, do I have text messages uh, do i have any notifications on social media right and so then right after i wake up it can be my rhythm then to spend the first few moments of my day not necessarily responding to text messages but I, wh- you know who's reached out to me what notifications what comments do i have on pictures who's commented on facebook who's saying what on twitter and here i've woken up and the first All of the voices I'm listening to aren't God's. And most of the voices I'm listening to aren't even important voices in my life. Not at that moment. And so I'm just recognizing, I'm trying to figure out a way. um, And so I've removed some apps this week. Josie and I will do that. We'll say, I'm taking off this app. It's becoming too much. Right? But how can we, what are different ways that we can just declutter so that there's just margin to listen to the Lord? Because I heard one time a pastor say he just he wants the first voice that he hears in the morning to be the Lord's, not what the experts are saying on Twitter or whatever the case is. Another way for me is I'm just thinking through, uh, I've been trying to walk more lately. Uh, I live right next door to the church, so there's no commute, um, so I, I can foot around a lot. But walking kind of gives me my commute time. And it, it just provides time for me to pray and think as I walk somewhere. And so maybe it's just redeeming some of the rhythms of your life. You're going to be in the car for 30 minutes in the morning. Why not redeem that time and spend some time just praying and listening to the Lord? Or if you're going to be on bar anyways, why not redeem that time and just slow down a little bit? And invite the Lord into your commute or into your study time or whatever the case is. It says Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus in order to listen to him. And Jesus affirms what she's doing. He says that one thing is necessary. That Mary has chosen the good portion. The the King James translates, it, it says, that good part. Uh, The message translation says the main course that Mary has chosen, like the choice cut, the the main course, that good part. And what is that good part? Just fellowship with Jesus. That's what she's chosen. That's the good part. And that language of, of one thing, it reminds me of what David wrote in the Psalms. In Psalm 27 verse 4 this is what King David wrote. He says, "One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple." Now David isn't looking to move into the temple. Like he's he's not looking for like some type of dorm room off in a side hallway. So that he can always be there, but why the temple was the place where God's presence was, and so David is sharing his heart longing. One thing I would seek just to be in God's house, to be in his presence, to seek after him, to behold Jesus, and just to listen to him. It's like what we sang this morning just, just give us Jesus. That was kind of the heartbeat of Jesus or of David. One thing that I seek. And this language of Jesus or as God as our chosen portion in Psalm 16:5 he says, "The Lord is my chosen portion." Later in Psalm 73 he says, "My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever." In Psalm 119:57, "The Lord is my portion." And so another question to ask ourselves this morning, is that our hearts this morning? Does our heart resonate with what David is writing, that the Lord is our portion, he is that good part, he is the main course, is he like our greatest treasure? Is that true of our hearts this morning? to the point that we we look forward just to another day because it gives us another opportunity to just be in the presence of Jesus. Or on the flip side, though, has prayer just become more of something we do as a last resort? And time with the Lord is just kind of squeezed into the smallest margin of our life. want to close with just some gospel encouragement for us. Just because I think any time we talk about prayer and fasting, it's challenging and it can also be very convicting and I pray that it stirs us. But I also want to be encouraged because we have an incredible opportunity and an incredible invitation in scripture to come and spend time with Jesus. And so I want to close with Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a great high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's just think about that passage for a second. That Jesus is our great high priest. He is our mediator. He is our go-between. And he is... Holy and majestic. He is the great high priest. And his sacrifice brought atonement for our sins. And he paid for our sins. Therefore, we are now no longer under condemnation, but rather we've been given forgiveness through his sacrifice. And now we have been given access back to God. And not only just access, not just a pass into his presence, but relationships that we now can know God as our Father through what Christ has done. And so now that we know him as Father, and now that we have access to him, no longer condemned, no longer judged, but welcomed in, it says, let us then with confidence. And it's not confidence in our own performance. It's not confidence of whether we've had seven out of seven quiet times this week. It's confidence in Christ as our righteousness. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Now, I love even that combination of words. Throne, that just reminds us of his majesty and his holiness again. But grace, that's undeserved favor. Come with confidence to the throne of grace that you may receive mercy and grace to help in your time of need. And I want to encourage us just with that, just to sit in that for a second this morning. That we can, we are invited, we have access as sons and daughters of God to come every day before the throne of grace to sit in his presence. And that there is grace for our anxious hearts. That there is grace for our busy lives. That there is grace for our self-sufficient disconnected service of him. That there is grace for that and he welcomes us. That we don't come to our times of prayer with all of our ducks in a row. We come messy and we come anxious and we come fearful and we come overwhelmed and he welcomes us as our father. I like to think of it, uh, I love this imagery, I I share it often when when I do this passage, but it's like that toddler who's learning how to walk. And the parent or the relative is just so excited that they're walking towards them. Even though they're not a great walker, right? They're stumbling all over the place, but yet they're coming and there's just this welcome and this excitement. What? Just to, for them to walk and then to embrace the child in your arms. And that's the same invitation we have from God the Father, that we don't have it all figured out, that we're wanting to learn how to do this prayerful lifestyle, that we're kind of wobbling towards him, and he is just welcoming us as our dad and just excited to spend time with us and excited to speak to us. But I want to encourage you, as you enter into this 40-day season, to really think through some intentional ways that you can slow down. Think of some intentional ways. Lift your schedule up to the Lord. Lift your weekly rhythms up to the Lord and say, Lord, how, do I, how can I declutter? How can I create some margin? How can I turn down the volume on my life in different ways? And I'm excited. I'm, I'm not a part of CLC, but... I'm excited to think through maybe fasting with you in some different ways over those 40 days and just seeking the Lord. And I believe that God is going to bless that time. Amen? Amen. But this morning, pray through and think through how can you slow down, how can you listen? Let me just pray for us. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning and just pray for them as they prepare for this season as a church that you would fill them with just a a longing to spend time with Jesus. Not to get things from him, but to get Jesus. And Lord, I pray that that our hearts would be the same, just that one thing we would desire to seek after, that we would truly view you as, as that good part, as the main course. So, Lord, help us to slow down. We have full lives. We have many things on our plate, but, Lord, would you show us, Lord, intentional ways that we can slow down, that we can declutter, that we can reset our hearts to you. And Lord, may you get all of the glory through this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.